it made me realize that mental health and the struggles that people deal with take so much more time than you can ever realize. And it's not like a sprained ankle where, or like a broken thumb where there's definitely a timeline where the doctors can say, this could be your healing time. You can start coming back then. And that's what really struck me the most about mental health is the recovery time was so unpredictable. Welcome to Not A 10 Podcast with Mary Griffin. I have my very good friend Maggie Lyons with me today. Um, Maggie and I were on the Virginia Tech women's lacrosse team together for half of our freshman year. And ultimately, Maggie decided to leave the team for mental health reasons. But, you know, we're still really close. We still have this great connection. She's like the sweetest soul you'll probably ever meet. Like so kind, so nice. God, she's the best. Um, But I'm just so excited to have her on and talk about mental health and her struggles, especially as a student athlete and deciding to leave the team. And I know that's a tough decision. So I think it's just really important for other athletes to hear and other people who are struggling with their own mental health. Um, So yeah, Maggie, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I just think it's a it's a good topic to cover with everyone, especially as athletes, just to hear it from someone else is always nice. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. Um, so do you just want to give us a little background of you, who you are, where you grew up, family, where sports came into your life? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my family is pretty average. I have two older brothers and then it's my mom and dad and I, uh, I would definitely say that my competitive side came from my older brother's. And we were always playing sports in the backyard. And I just, at a young age, really developed a love for all sports and just being active. So once I got old enough, I started playing lacrosse and doing gymnastics and soccer and really everything. I mean, you know what it's like being a kid and you just want to try everything you can, honestly. So I started lacrosse probably when I was in first grade. And this was really just to have a social aspect in my life because I went to a really small middle school. So my parents knew that it would be really important for me to get out there and meet everyone else. And I think that's pretty much the same for everyone as they're growing up just to meet people and have fun and be active. So I definitely say that sports became really important to me at a really young age. Yeah. And like the, the thing you said about siblings, like, oh my God, I feel like growing up, I would get like so competitive. Like I would literally get frustrated if yeah. I wasn't winning. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like I, I, I'm done. I was like, I'm done. Um, but yeah, like playing sports definitely is a social aspect. And like, um, you just meet so many people, especially in the lacrosse world. Like you literally meet everyone and there's like a connection everywhere. Like wherever you go, you know? Yeah. It's really just such a small world. And I know that sounds so tacky to say, but especially as we got older in high school and playing club, it really is like you get so many connections and meet all these amazing people and players from around the, the nation. And I don't know, it's just really cool. Yeah, for sure. 
there's like people I met that I'm like I would never have met them like if it weren't for I know. across like, <laughs> like literally all my friends basically but um okay so so now that we know a little bit about you um let's dive into like where your mental health struggle really began was that in high school was that not until you went to college um were you diagnosed with things just anything like that yeah so in high school I started having really, really bad anxiety and panic attacks. And I definitely knew from a young age that I was probably more anxious than other kids about little things. And just like, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do better in school and sports and really just be the best that I could. And it definitely started taking a toll on me in high school. Um, So I started meeting with my first therapist, maybe my sophomore year for my anxiety. Uh, And we went over coping mechanisms, what I should be doing different, maybe if I'm not getting enough sleep, uh, what other things could be like a trigger for me. And I remember she started mentioning lacrosse and I was like, you're crazy. Like, this is my time to relax. This is when I'm with all my friends. That's definitely like, that can't be the reason for me. So I guess I started my battle with mental health then because it was just in my mind, a negative side to me that I didn't want other people seeing and I didn't want to accept for myself. And then eventually when we got to college, it was literally the first two weeks when I started meeting with the therapists there one-on-one. And that's when I was diagnosed with severe depression and eating disorder, panic disorder, insomnia and just a bunch of things all at once so I definitely say right at the beginning of college is when it really hit more yeah so that first like sophomore year of high school that first time you're like okay I'm gonna meet with a therapist where Mm -hmm. did that decision like stem from was did your parents like see how how your anxiety was impacting you and they were kind of pushing you to go to see a therapist or were you kind of like, I think I need to see one? Like where, where did that decision come from? Uh, yeah, it was definitely my mom because I was like, I'm fine. I'm not going to meet with anyone. This is crazy. Uh, but then I started having panic attacks and I'd start shaking and my breathing was really bad and it just started getting a little out of control. So that's when she looked at me and told me basically that she scheduled me to meet with a therapist that she knew around here. Um, I definitely was not supportive of it when I started and I just had no desire to go whatsoever. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, So you said you were like always aware of your anxiety, even from like a young age. So when you got to college and you were diagnosed with depression and those other things, was that something that you always kind of in the back of your head knew that you were dealing with, but didn't want to address it? Or was that like kind of like a shock that you were diagnosed? I remember it was a massive shock for me. Um, I definitely knew I had an eating disorder just because I was pretty self-aware of that, but it was hard for me to hear from someone else, especially because I didn't want them to notice. So that was not as much of a surprise. And then the panic disorder obviously stemmed from my anxiety. But when they said I had severe depression, I remember saying in the meeting, I was like, no, I don't. 
and they're like that's like big denial Maggie like, yeah this, this is definitely definitely severe depression and I just remember every meeting from then on I was like you are crazy I do not have depression like I'm not because I never had days or months or weeks at a time where I just couldn't get out of bed and I was like hating life for this negative person and to me that's what I thought depression was and I think it's just not being aware of the full aspect of it I guess and how many different roles it can play so I kind of denied it because I was like I don't I'm not a negative person and I don't hate my life and all of these things that I definitely think play into this stigma of mental health and all these disorders, especially if you don't know the full story, there's just things that you assume from the very beginning. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you hint upon something that's so, so true. It's like when people are like, oh, like she has depression, you're imagining like a person like laying in bed crying all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. and like, that could be true for some people, but like, there's a lot of other forms of depression that I think a lot of people are unaware of. And I think that's just super important to get out there because you like, it's that thing where people look at and they're like, Oh, well, you don't seem sad. Like, okay. Like I don't seem sad, but like (laughs) maybe like, you don't know what's happening the rest of my life when you're not with me, like, or what I'm doing. Like, yeah. And that's so true. So when, um, you were kind of in denial about your depression and things like that, do you think that was stemming from like a defense mechanism or did you genuinely think like, you're like, no, I don't have depression or were you just like, if I don't admit to it or like deal with it, then it's not as real as it seems. Yeah. I definitely think it's a combination. I know that once I accepted it, I knew that it was more real than I ever wanted it to be. So at first it was just denial and not believing in the slightest that I had depression and it was also just not wanting to accept it and then really identify with it because again I think a lot of it played into being an athlete my whole life and I think a lot of people struggle with this that we want to be perfect all the time we want to be a 10 and we want to be like have our best mental health shown our best physical aspects shown and our talent And I think there's definitely a breaking point for a lot of us that we don't want to recognize or really give into. And that's definitely what happened with me. Right. Yeah. Like you said, like the pressure of being a student athlete, like it can, like it is so hard and like, you just want to avoid like deeper shit, like like, Mm -hmm. lack of better term, like, because you're just like, I'm supposed to have my life together. Like I'm a D1 athlete. Like I'm supposed to like work hard, like all this stuff. And then when things like kind of spiral downhill, you're like, Whoa, like, what do I do? Like type of thing. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, and then for your eating disorder, were you also meeting with our nutritionist at the time? Yes, I was. I was not a fan of doing that either. Um, (laughs) it's definitely not the best experience for me. And again, it's different for everyone. So I completely accepted that. And just kind of moved on after we had a couple meetings. Uh, There was just some differences, I guess, in our opinion. And again, that was also something that I wanted to control in my life. And I didn't want to give it to anyone else. Because at that point, I was meeting with, I think, 
three or four different therapists at a time from school and on my own. Uh, and so one person was dealing with my prescriptions. There was another therapist that solely met with me about my anxiety and depression. And then I was meeting with a nutritionist about my eating. So I felt really out of control, giving the power to everyone else to handle for me. And I definitely didn't do well handling that. Right. Yeah. And like you were meeting with four different therapists, like, yeah. like, okay, like gr- great. Like therapy is awesome, but also like it sucks. Like no one wants yeah. to sit down and like <laughs> talk about all their deeper and darker issues. Like that just like, is not fun. Like, I guess it's just like, isn't fun at all. And like, I can yeah. see like having to just sit there and talk and go through this and then go through this. Like that is so like mentally just draining. Like And I totally see where you're coming from for that. Yeah, there's definitely a big part of me, too, that didn't want to tell anyone what was going on inside my head because I didn't even understand it all. And so to me, it was pointless to give it out to all these different therapists, even though that's their profession. I just didn't like letting other people know because, again, it's just wanting to be perfect and on my A game. And I knew that once these people started talking to me about it, that they were going to know what was really going on and I remember I think there's maybe one or two of the girls in our class that I even talked to about it and literally no one else like I tried to hide it as best as I could and I think it just started spiraling from that point on right um so were there ever days where you were like I'm sure like yes but like were there ever days where you woke up and you're like I have a therapist appointment like at this time, like, I don't want to go. Like, I mean, like whenever like the therapy appointment approaches, I'm like, ew, why did I make this? (laughs) Like, oh yeah. um, So what did you do on those days where you're like, I don't, or like whenever that came, like, were you like, I need to go like force yourself or was someone else like kind of giving you a little push? (laughs) Um, Well, to be honest, I was horrible in the beginning. Like if there was an appointment that I did not want, I would text my therapist and just say I wasn't going. And I would just say, like, I'm fine. Trust me. I'm just going to go on with my day. And I don't want to talk about this stuff. And I think it got to the point where I did, like, someone did step in to start (laughs) making me go more. Because obviously, that's not okay. And they're taking time out for you. And I didn't give them, like, a last-minute notice where they couldn't meet with anyone else, obviously. But I definitely did not like the purpose of the meetings in the beginning. And I was just kind of rude about it. And I was like, you're wrong. And I know what to do for myself. And I'm just going to go on with my day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in the beginning, I was definitely awful. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's like putting a guard up and being like reluctant at first. It's hard. It's really hard to just like sit down and open up about all these things that you don't really want to talk about. And you are busy trying to convince yourself that you're okay. And like convincing yourself and trying so hard to cover it all up. Like that is when like things can get really like bad and like spiral down. Um, So let's transition into talking about how lacrosse came into all of this, like your mental health. And um, so how did playing lacrosse in college like impact your mental health overall? Like I know we play lacrosse. It's supposed to be like this great, like fun thing. And like, um, and like a escape, but like also it can impact your mental health. So how did that look like for you? So I think 
the unique thing, or I guess a little different with my story is that I didn't want to quit really. And the lacrosse in the beginning, at least really was release for me and just a relaxing time of my day. Obviously not relaxing because it's stressful and we're getting yelled at and have to do all these things, but it was kind of an escape because I was so focused on getting the drill done, you know, focusing on my position and doing my best that I wasn't listening to what was in my head. Like I completely escaped from my head. So that was definitely good for me in the beginning. And then I think once I started my meetings more regularly with all these different therapists, um, that my mental health really started coming through more in my play. And that's when it started going downhill because the coaches noticed, I noticed, I know a couple of our teammates would talk to me after practice and be like, I know something's going on or you just don't seem like yourself. And that I think is the point where I was like, oh shit, because my, my lacrosse game all of a sudden wasn't the best that it could be. And I didn't have that to rely on because everyone else started noticing and my mental health was really just breaking through, I feel. And um, one of my therapists said it's like a water bottle that you're filling up and then if you don't have any outlets or release the water out, it's just going to burst at one point. And that's definitely what I felt like when my game started going downhill. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like athletes, like we put so, so much worth in our game and our play. And yeah. like, if we are playing good, like, and we're getting time and all this stuff, it seems like life is like awesome like we're like okay yeah like, lacrosse is good like someone someone said it like if lacrosse is good like life is good um exactly. and <laughs> I mean like that's just a harsh like and frustrating reality of being like okay like my mental health is like impacting my play like that is just so hard and so what were the ne next steps like after that once you realized that was why why you were playing bad was because of your that you weren't playing bad I don't you're a great player like trust well, me I played with you but why your <laughs> play declined um what were the next steps yeah I definitely started taking my meetings a lot more seriously because I knew that if lacrosse was being jeopardized I had to step up my game with my mental health so I went to all my meetings I think I had one every single day of the week with multiple therapists at a time so it was really draining you know because I mean you know what our schedule is with training and then practices and classes it just gets to be a lot but I was willing to put that time in because I didn't want the cross to keep going downhill for me and then I started medications and I think I was on maybe five or six different medications to address my anxiety and depression and some of them I was put on all at once and I remember thinking that this is kind of crazy like this is a little much for me um yeah like not easing you into that like yeah you're just taking a bunch of medications yeah and so obviously they're the professionals and I didn't want to question it I didn't want to think that maybe this was too much for me so obviously I did everything. And then 
we start upping the dosages, dosages, <laughs> um, and it just got to be a lot. So you start these medications and, um, I know with certain medications, there's different side effects and they impact every single person differently. So I know one of your side effects was, um, suicidal thoughts. So what did that look like? Did you know it was the medication that was causing that? What, who did you turn to? Where did you go when you started having these thoughts? Yeah. So before I started any medication, I remember my psychiatrist was obviously telling the sports med doctors what their plan was for me and filling them in so that everyone was kind of on the same page. And I remember our trainer, Anne, who I absolutely adore, pulled me aside and told me that one of the medications they were going to put me on for my depression had suicidal thoughts as the biggest side effect. And I remember just being like, okay, like, I don't, I hope that doesn't happen, but okay. And she, I think she just kind of hugged me and she's like, seriously, like if these thoughts start happening, you need to come to me right away and we're going to help you. And you need to know that it's the medication and it's not you and all this stuff, because I know that there had been a couple other athletes in the past from various sports that had been on the same medication and had the side effects reported. So it was definitely scary, but then. And wait, and like from a medical standpoint, is it just like these like can really, really help you? Is it like, we're just going to take a risk and see what happens like type of thing? Yeah, I don't, I remember when she told me that I was like, why do you even try these on people if that's the biggest side effect? Like that just seemed crazy to me because I was like, this could either dramatically help me or make me so much worse. Right. And obviously that was just a risk we had to take at that point. Um, But yeah, I was definitely surprised by it. Cause I don't know how all these medications work, obviously, like I'm not educated in it. So again, I just didn't really question it as much as I probably could have, but I went along with it. And then it's probably a month into the medications. I did start having suicidal thoughts and it was just a bunch of little things that kind of started popping into my head. Um, And I would notice on the way to practice, I was dreading going, which I had never really felt before. And then all these thoughts about, well, what if this happened to me or I did this to myself? And basically, I did not feel like myself at that point. And I had no idea what was going on. And I stayed on the medication for a little bit, hoping that it would get better and meeting with my therapist. And then there was one day where like these thoughts just came flooding for me. And I remember being so terrified and not knowing what was me and what was the medication and honestly having no clue what to do next. Like I, I was just so lost on whether I should stay on the medication or do a different dosage or go to another one. And I just remember sobbing and then going to the training room and basically pulling Anne aside and saying, I'm having suicidal thoughts. And right away she got me in with the doctor and basically they said we had to stop me cold turkey was their terms. Uh, 
but yeah, I just went back to Anne basically because she was the only one that really knew that the side effects would be like that. Right. Thank, thank God. We love Anne. Like, yeah, seriously, like, thank God she pulled you aside and was like, Hey, like, did any, like, did people be like, Hey, like this could happen. Was Anne just like pulled you aside and was like, by the way, like the, and like, I feel like it's really hard, like separating those thoughts, like, because she told you that, like, now you have to be like, okay, like those are those thoughts. And like, I have to separate them from myself, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, like those, that's what's in your head. Like, how can you just separate it and like distance yourself? Because you can't tell, like, if it's your mind talking to you, if it's the medication and like, mm-hmm. thank God we love Anne. And if you're listening, yeah. shout out love lifesaver, <laughs> like, wow. I just don't know what we would do without you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so you, I mean, like good for you, like for recognizing those thoughts and like being like, okay, I need to go see Anne. And like, so you just quit cold Turkey. Like you were just like, I'm, I'm done. And like, did you see good results after getting off of that medication? Honestly, it was hard. Cause I expected, you know, once I stopped the medication, I was like, great. Like I'm cured. I'm not gonna have these thoughts anymore and it's done. And I'm past the hardest part. And then I still remember like occasionally the thoughts will still come in my head and they're not nearly as severe as they were. But for the months after I was on that medication, I really did still struggle with the thoughts and it scared me like to death because I would start sobbing before practice because I was having these thoughts and debating what to do. And then I was like, I stopped this medication. Like, why is this happening to me? Why is, why are these thoughts still in my head? And I remember talking to my main therapist about it and they were kind of like, well, what if these thoughts are coming from you and not the medication? And I remember just breaking down in their office and I was like, that cannot be the truth. Like, I'm okay. I'm not this person and I never really accepted that it was me and I don't know because like they only started when my medications were getting higher and I was on that medication specifically you know so Mm -hmm. it was really really hard trying to see whether it was me or the medication and I never really got to the bottom of it I wouldn't say I definitely think it was prescription I was on but I mean for the months after it was so hard trying to figure it out yeah yeah and like that's a hard reality to face because like knowing that medication can cause these thoughts it's like not easy but like it's better to like be like okay well this is the medication like talking like that's just like it's more reassuring and like you can put like your finger on it like you can point at it and be like that's the medication exactly but then when it gets to like decide and like oh maybe it's not the medication like that's when that's that's really hard to hear and like that's really confusing as well like you know it I feel like confusing could be a good yeah no it was definitely especially with everything else that was going on inside my head and trying to adjust my eating disorder and all my panic attacks I was like this has to be the medication because I can't accept any more things that are wrong with me if that makes right. sense yeah which looking back on it like I have such a different view on mental health now and I'm all about really acknowledging everything getting it all out there 
because I know what's healthy now, obviously, but it's just, I was very, very stubborn with it all. And it was definitely a hard journey when it all came at the same time. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. We'll definitely dive into like your viewpoint on mental health later in the episode. Um, and I'm really excited to hear about just what your thoughts are now and like going through it and just like where you are now. Um, so after all of this, after getting on that medication, going off of it, is this where you started to think about taking lacrosse off the table? Yeah, I definitely, I was still on all of my other medications, but I was off that one that, and I don't want to name it just, I mean, just in case other people are on it, obviously to freak them out or anything, but I was still on all my other medications and I was still having those thoughts, like I said, and that really just changed my whole view on my mental health, I think. And I started really having, I guess, the desire to act on them. And I just kind of made a decision within that week, I think, that I needed to take something off my plate. And at the time I had just academics and lacrosse. And so I was like, I obviously, I'm, I can't quit school. (laughs) Yeah. So it was kind of just the only option I had, I guess, at the time. And I do remember my therapist recommended that I go to this retreat thing for like two weeks where it's for people with suicidal thoughts or severe mental health issues. And basically the goal of it is to take away all of your responsibilities. There's no school, no sports. You just kind of get a break. And (laughs) I remember when they recommended that I literally said, hell no. Cause I was like, I don't, I can't afford to take a break. Like Mm -hmm. you think my game is bad now. If I go two weeks without playing, like I can't do that. And I was like, forget about school. I'm not getting that behind in classes either. And that definitely looking back on it was my like D1 athlete, like pressure and stress mentality Mm -hmm. because we, we take one day off and we feel bad. You know what I mean? Even if that is the best thing, but I don't know. I just remember being like, hell no, like that is not the option and we're just going to move on. Yes. So like what you just said, like we take one day off and we're like, oh my God, we're the worst. We, we don't do yeah, that day just off. Feel like guilty. I'm so behind. Like, I'm like, yeah, exactly. guilty. Yeah. God, and yes. there, it's so sad that that's true because it should, you should not feel guilty about having one day off, you know? And at the end of the day, everyone's going to be happy for you. If that day really helped you, do you know what I mean? Like no one is going to see you after that day off. And be like, oh, like, fuck you. You you didn't come yesterday because right. you were too depressed to get out of bed. Like, right. no one, no one is like that. But we have such this viewpoint on our mental health or on taking any breaks, especially in this society, that it's just such a negative thing, even though it shouldn't be. Right. And, like, I think we're trying to get to the point of treating mental health the same as physical health. Like, obviously we're not there, but 
I think that's the ultimate goal. And like, that can look like just like calling our trainer and just being like, Hey, I'm having a really bad, like mental health day. Like I'm, I'm going to miss practice. They would let you miss practice. They would make you miss practice if you had a fever, like, and like, what's like, what's the difference. And like you said, like, if you do miss a day or two days or however long because of mental health, like no one, no one should, but I believe no one would be like, well, that like, screw you. Like that sucks. Like, why would, yeah. why do you get a day off? Like yeah, I yeah. really deep down hope no one would react that way, but yeah. I do think that's super important from like an athlete's perspective. Yeah, for sure. And I know that that was the hardest thing for me because I didn't want any days off, especially because like I said earlier, this was my time to kind of escape from my head. But I do think that the week that I decided to take a break from lacrosse was when I noticed I was having those thoughts during practice. And before, obviously, that was when I, my mind was the clearest. It was all day. I was just able to focus on the next drill. But then at a certain point, I was still having these thoughts, even when we were playing, which obviously I couldn't focus on the game anymore. And I really couldn't even identify with myself at that point. So I had met with Anne and the doctors and all my therapists. And basically it was their idea to take a break and to take something off my plate so that I could just have more time to focus on my health and meet with them. And that's basically when I met with the coaches and they had been filled in from Anne, I believe, or from one of the doctors, because they didn't know either, because I was definitely not going to tell them any of that. And they were very supportive about me taking a break. And yeah, I think for the next couple of weeks, I would go to the training room. I wasn't attending practices or games or anything like that. I just was focusing on meetings and my medications and finding the best option. Right. So you didn't like jump right in and you're like, I'm, I'm quitting. Like I need something off my plate. You just decided to approach in a way like, okay, like I'm going to take a break. Like I have the option of coming back. Exactly. And again, I was very reluctant about quitting at all. Like that is the last thing I wanted to do. And I know for some people, they just lose the love of the game or it's just not as fun as they thought it'd be, whatever. But I absolutely loved my time on the team. Like, I love all of our teammates. Everyone is amazing, as you know. And I didn't want to lose that. And I felt like if I quit, then I would lose all of my best friends that I had made and anything that was important to me my whole life, basically. So it was definitely really hard trying to make a decision from there. But again, I was on maybe three new other medications. Um, and I was meeting with more therapists off campus and nothing was improving. And I expected that a week off or my little break would really just make me a whole new person. And I'd come back and ready to play again and act like I was cured. But it made me realize that mental health and the struggles that people deal with takes so much more time than you can ever realize. And it's not like a sprained ankle 
where, or like a broken thumb, where there's definitely a timeline where the doctors can say, this could be your healing time. You can start coming back then. And that's what really struck me the most about mental health is the recovery time was so unpredictable. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Um, There really is no timeline to healing and dealing with things like that. So your first initial plan was like, okay, I'm going to take a week off in your head. You were like, okay, week off. I'm going to come back in a week. Like that's it. So where, or like what led to the week off turning into a longer period off? Yeah, I think that's, I played in a couple of the games or obviously traveled with the team and loved it. And then after that week break is when our bigger games started coming up and it was a lot, it was just like a way more busier schedule. And I really had to meet with my therapist and evaluate myself and the point that I was at. And at that point, I mean, I was traumatized from all these thoughts. And I felt like with the break that I had, I could process more and processing sucks. Like yes, amen. <laughs> everyone, everyone can agree to that because that's when you're really accepting everything that's happened. And I was just scared and sad and my life felt so unpredictable and I couldn't identify with myself that I knew I wasn't at the point where I'd be ready to really play at the best level that I could. And I was terrified of letting the team down or having my teammates know that something was up or just be like, what are you doing? Like you suck right now. So, which obviously, I mean, our teammates are not like that, but in my head, I was like, I'm letting everyone down right now and I don't know what to do. Right. So yeah, yeah, at that point, I think is when I decided maybe a break from the rest of the season would be best. And then I always kept it in the air about going back, but I mean, I'm still struggling with, all of this mental health stuff, which sucks because I miss everyone and I miss playing. But that was the point at which I knew I had to take a longer break than I expected. Yeah. I mean, it's such a hard decision, like saying goodbye to lacrosse. Like, obviously you're not, you're not totally like, you're still on the, I still like to say Maggie's on the team and we <laughs> like to include you in all the fun things and talk to you and whatever, but it's kind of like a heart, like it's like heartbreak. Like you'd say goodbye to something that you've had like your whole entire life. And I think that is just so hard. And what's like also unique to you is like, I didn't want to quit lacrosse because I fell out of love with it. Like I quit because this was like my mental health. Like this was serious. Like this could ultimately be life or death. Like, and I think that's just such a hard thing that you had to go through. And I'm just so sorry that you had to ultimately pick and choose like your love of lacrosse or mental health. Like that is just a tough decision. Yeah. And I also, I felt like when I quit, I just felt so guilty because I didn't fall out of love with the sport. And I wanted more than anything to be back on the field with everyone and doing what I love the most. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we, play from such a young age and then there's tournaments every weekend and you jeopardize so many things growing up 
just to play and just to be there doing what you love the most. So I just felt guilty and sad that I had lost that part of myself. But then I transitioned into this new part of me, I guess, that was focused all on my health, which I had never done before because I never gave myself time or a little break, you know? So, right. Um, how do you deal with not having that like lacrosse aspect aspect in your life again? Like, um, I know you said you still get like sad about it, but like, do you think you put your energy towards like your health? What you just said, basically? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I remember when I officially packed up my lacrosse bag and I was putting my cleats in and my gear and Timmy was actually packing with me and I was bawling because it was a heartbreak and I was giving all of my gear back and I just felt like I had lost the most important part of myself. And so moving on for a long time, I kind of resented myself for it because I just looked at myself as someone who was weak and who had to quit because they couldn't move past some of the things that they needed to. And it took a really long time to accept that that was really in the long run, the best decision for myself. But I really did resent myself for the longest time. And I still occasionally will just see myself and regret some decisions I've made and just see myself as weak. But it's so hard to really move past those thoughts in the mental health aspect and just say, look, like I'm, I'm putting my health first. I'm going to try all these different coping mechanisms and different things to help. And so it definitely took a long time to really get to the point where I kind of am now where I can accept my mental health isn't going to be the best, but I'm still trying to find ways and practice things that can help me. Yeah. I think like what one false like connotation with ultimately deciding to leave a sport or quit something for mental health is that the instant you quit or the instant you let it go, like there's this like sigh of relief, like, and it's just like, all right, now I'm good. Like, but like, obviously that's just not true. Like quitting is like step number one, but there's a lot of steps going, moving forward. And I think that's just something that a lot of people don't really understand is like, okay, she quit. Why isn't she just like better? Like what? And like, I'm sure like that was an internal struggle too. Um, So I think that's something that a lot of people have the wrong idea of. Yeah, definitely. And for me, even I had all the wrong viewpoints on mental health. And like I said before, like I completely looked at a quote unquote depressed person as this negative person hating life, crying all day, like, and anxiety I identified with, but all these different mental health points in my life were so hard to identify with. And I think for a lot of people, you really have to go through it to understand it. And I was one of those people that thought once I stopped the medication that was giving me my suicidal thoughts, that I'd be back on the field in no time. 
and doing what I love. And when that didn't happen, again, I mean, it just made me realize how serious it was and how much time it would take for me. And I still struggle today, but I, I accept it way more now than I did before. That is just a process. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good segue into the next discussion of let's talk about like the stigma behind mental health. I know like I relate to you in the aspect of like being in denial, like obviously for different things. Like I wasn't dealing with my mental health in the same way you were, but like being in denial of things just because you don't want to process them or just because you don't want to face the reality of the situation. What looking back on that, like, where are you, what are your thoughts on mental health now versus back what your freshman year? They're completely different now. Um, even when I started meeting with my first therapist in high school, I resented anything wrong with my mental health, if that makes sense. Like if someone brought up anxiety or depression or eating disorder, all these things, I was like, that is a sign of me being weak and that's not okay. And obviously now that it's been a long time and I'm still struggling with it. I have, I'm like obsessive with my health now and just like a whole wellness plan. And I try to do different things like yoga or meditation. And I mean, some days suck, like absolutely suck for no reason. And it still confuses me, but I have a much more holistic view on it now, I think. And Um, I'm only on one medication now. And that was a big thing for me was that I absolutely hated being on five medications at once. And I don't like the chemical aspect of it all, whatever. And so I very much am focused on it now. And I always go on interest. I like look up these videos of the best recipes to help with your health or like all these different meditations and tricks to help with the mental aspect and your anxiety of day-to-day life. And I definitely try and address it myself and I've taken back all the control that I felt like I've lost. And I definitely, I miss the cross more than anything, but I've also learned to love these little flaws in my character that I see. And I feel like I'm a completely different person now because of it. That just made me like so happy. Like, (laughs) I feel like I've (laughs) watched you grow and like just hearing your story and like seeing how like far you've come and just everything that you've been through. Like, I'm just, I'm just so proud of you. And like, and I'm just like so happy that like you are at a mental state right now that you are like proud of and um, and open about, honestly, like being open about it. That's, that's hard. Like, I think like, (laughs) that's the strongest people who are like open and honest and vulnerable, like vulnerability, like that's, that is something that's like a superpower in my opinion, like being vulnerable, (laughs) like it opens the floor to other people. It shares stories. It makes people feel they could relate to someone. And I think what you're doing and like, even being on this podcast, like that's just amazing. And like, you should be so proud of yourself. And like, I love the little coping mechanisms that you do like yoga and like the Pinterest boards. Like, I just love (laughs) that. Um, do you think there was like a time period where you're like, 
okay, like I need to start putting energy towards, like we said, the coping mechanisms. And like, did you like try different things out that you liked and discovered what you liked, what you disliked? Yeah, I, when I was meeting with my therapists a lot more after I did make the decision to quit for a while, um, they gave me like a book basically of all these different coping mechanisms. It literally looked like it was straight out of a psychology book or something like that. And there's all these doodles and like people practicing their breathing and meditation and yoga poses. And I remember being like, this is so bizarre. Like, how is this little booklet of doodles going to help me? And for the longest time, a lot of them didn't work. And for me, I was like, why isn't taking a long deep breath helping me? Like, that's weird. But it just made me realize how unique everyone's coping mechanisms can be. And I love yoga. I absolutely adore it. And in the mornings, I'll take a run just to clear my head. And there are points in this past year even where I'd run like 13 miles for no reason because I was just so anxious that day. Which obviously I want to be at a point in my life where I'm past all that. Um, and I still have panic attacks pretty regularly, but there's just, I mean, it's kind of exciting finding new things that I've found that truly help me. And it's just a process and I'm kind of just along for the ride to try all these different things out and then hopefully help other people address what they're going through. And I think a big thing for me that's helped is being open about it with people because I know for me, I was horrified and didn't want to talk about anything because I felt like no one would understand or that I would be alienated because of my flaws and my mental health. And that was horrifying. But I just hope that everyone can learn to be vulnerable with themselves and with other people about what's going on to the point where there isn't such a stigma against mental health and all of these things and that people can truly identify with everything and seek the best help that they can get. Absolutely. Like, amen to that. Amen to everything <laughs> you just said. So, so true. Um, so you said like there are bad days and like, obviously there's still a struggle with your mental health. So what do you think you're at a better place right now where you like can recognize that you're having a bad day? You're like, okay, like I'm feeling this way. I need to do X, Y, and Z. Like, do you think you're at that point right now? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I don't have a set plan where I'm like, oh, I feel a panic attack coming on. Let me do this meditation or let me try something else that's going to help and then I'm cured. There's definitely, especially because my panic disorder still is really bad, um, which I'm not so proud of, but I'll have panic attacks for no reason and they can get really bad. And I had gone to the hospital multiple times for them in the past. So for days that I have those, I have no plan. Like I have no clue when they come. I have no idea how to calm myself down sometimes, but I've accepted it. And I think that that's a big part of moving forward. And obviously I want to have this set plan 
where I can just move past everything or have great days, six out of seven days of the week. You know what I mean? But I accept the good and the bad days because that's life. And I don't think that anyone who has a perfect day all the time, like great for them. I absolutely love that for them, but I just don't think for myself that that's realistic. And I've just accepted that some days I'm not going to know what to do, but going forward, I do have a plan as to how to address it and how to continually work with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you just like hit upon something that like, honestly, like just taught me something that like when you're having like a bad time or whatever it might be like, maybe like constructive, like things like we can't really get down to like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this, like, it's more about like acceptance. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that you really like hit upon. And that's, that's really true. And, um, it's hard not to be able to be like, well, I want to be able to fix it and like do this. And that's going to help me. Like, sometimes you just don't have that like, um, resource that's going to help you right away. Yeah. Um, so true. Um, and like, you also like have a dog now that helps you. (laughs) Bentley, you got a puppy this year. Um, how is Bentley? Has he helped you? I mean, he's so cute. What type of dog is he? Tell everyone. He's a mini Aussie doodle and I got him this past fall. And this was really just, I'm such a spur of the moment type person. And I went to Timmy's apartment and these people brought over their little puppy. They just got And I literally texted my dad and was like, I'm getting a dog this week. And all he said was, okay. And then I started like thinking about it a lot more. And I was like, this could really help me because I have always grown up with animals and whatever and dogs. And obviously there's so many positive things that they do for our mental health. So I was like, I'm going to get a puppy. And I did. And he's my emotional support dog now. And he's all certified. And he really like, he he can be so dumb sometimes, but he's so silly. And like, even I had a panic attack last night. That was awful. And he literally just climbed onto my lap and like fell asleep with me. And he's definitely, he's definitely helped me like so much. Oh, he's, he's really is so cute and like (laughs) I think it's so funny when you first got him I was like Maggie like are you do you have a crate for him you're like no you're like he's sleeping with me I was like like, this dog is about to be a baby I was like this dog is about to always be around Maggie I was like this dog's about to be treated like like a princess or like a prince or whatever I was like I was like okay like whatever you want that dog's gonna be sleeping with you for the rest of the rest of their life like (laughs) yeah no I definitely spoil him so much and even I think Michaela probably makes fun of me the most out of anyone because like anywhere I go he'll follow me and then I'll buy him a million a million treats for no reason but yeah he's that's another thing that I think really helped me as dumb as it may sound to some people like having him at school with me when I'm stressed or sad he's just perfect and I think for a lot of people that is the answer and it's just made me so happy that I do have him now yeah oh we love Bentley 
<laughs> so cute. So cute. I mean, yeah. he's like a treat for all of us. We're like, I, would, I need a dog today. I'm going to call Maggie. Like, I need to go see a yeah, dog. Yeah, I love that. I think he's definitely, like, so many people, especially in the beginning, would come straight from practice to my apartment. And yeah. be like, I straight need from practice. Right yeah. Had a, a bad practice. And he was a puppy. <laughs> so yeah. true. Oh, my God. Um, all right. Last little thing. Um, if you had the opportunity and you might, might, someone might be listening that can relate to you. If you had the opportunity to tell someone who may be a student athlete, may not even be an athlete in general, who's struggling with their mental health, what would you want to tell them if you could? I would probably tell them that everything's okay and that they're not the only one that's going to be going through what they may be going through right now. And that there's so many resources that they can turn to and really that they're not alone. I know for me, I felt so isolated and alone that it terrified me, but acceptance and vulnerability is the key to what helped me. And I think for anyone struggling with mental health, I just, I hope so bad that this has helped them or that it's made them realize they're not alone. And that it's hard and it's, it's always going to be hard, but that accepting the process and focusing on your health is the biggest step to getting better. Yes. So well said. And like over here, we love the people who aren't tens, can't admit they're a 10. We, we love that. (laughs) Yes. um, Yes. Maggie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I mean, your story is absolutely incredible and inspiring to all of us. And I know like from, because we were on the same team and like, you still are, I still like to say that, but like, we love you and we're rooting for you and I'm rooting for you. And this decision, I know it was a hard one, but like, I'm just so happy that it's helping you and the greater aspect of mental health. And I think a lot of people can learn a lot from you and ultimately if they had to make a similar decision, like hearing your story, they might understand like that it is okay. And like, it is a priority of mental health. So I really just appreciate you coming on and being vulnerable, being authentic. That's really what, how the world is going to change is people like you. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so impressed with you and proud of you, honestly, like you've done such an amazing job and all these amazing people you've gathered just to talk about their stories. Like you're, you're amazing. And you inspire me all the time. So I'm happy that you even let me talk about this. Oh my God. It's an honor. Thank (laughs) you. Like literally, I'm so happy that like we have this, this, these topics now discussed on the podcast. So important, so important. Like can't imagine a more perfect person to come on and talk about their story. So yeah, thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, yeah, like Maggie will be tagged in this episode. Like, follow her. Um, she's like the sweetest person alive ever. So, yeah, but thank you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.